Okay, is there anybody here who struggles in their prayer life? Hey, you don't have to answer that, okay? Because actually everybody's hands would probably go up or should go up. Actually, every one of us, every Christian has a struggle in their prayer life. As praying as we ought, we all struggle, folks. We really do. Uh, of course, every Christian prays as if his life depends on it, and it does. It's, it's as important as the air you breathe. There was a, a little sentence that J.C. Ryle wrote. He says, Just as the first sign of life in an infant when born into the world is the act of breathing, so the first act of men and women when they are born again is praying. That is our life. Prayer is one of the pieces of armor that all Christians must use constantly as we war against the flesh, the world, the devil. Jesus commanded that we ought always to pray and that we would not lose heart. Uh, so uh, we know that prayer is instrumental to our lives. Prayer is not easy. It's hard. Sometimes it's one of the most difficult things you can do in your spiritual life. Uh, just to concentrate in prayer is difficult sometimes. Uh, sometimes our hearts, they're cold. Our thoughts will continually wander. We'll start off in the very best ideas. And then as we pray on, our thoughts wander and we get off of who we were even speaking to and what we were talking about. Uh, it finally descends into incoherent mumblings. And finally, just silence. <laughs> so goes our prayer lives often. You remember the disciples as they were with Jesus Garden of Gethsemane and He asked them to pray with him as he went off a little bit further from them and he came back and saw that they were sleeping. And he continued to do that. They were still sleeping. Robert Murray McShane said, if you want to humble a Christian, just ask him about his prayer life. This is telling us that we're not alone. You probably think, is there something wrong with me? seems like I really want to pray, but sometimes my mind just goes wandering off and I don't really get into the prayer that I really needed to get. Or I am not praying the kind of prayer that I should. What, how am I supposed to pray? What am I supposed to pray for? And you know what? Don't feel alone because we are not strong in our prayer lives so what's the solution to this problem? There's a problem there in our prayer lives. What's the solution? Well, is there any help that we can get? Is there a helper? Is there something that we can do? Because I have a paralyzing weakness in my prayers. I really do. We've been plodding along, as the Puritans often use that word, plodding along in Romans 8. Just going forward, but a little bit at a time. And as we plod along, we find out that in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is quite the emphasis. And another key word that is the emphasis is security of the believer. We're talking assurance is written all over Romans 8, and the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us understand that we are eternally secure. If we didn't have Him telling us that, we would be thinking we've lost our salvation all the time. You see, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We're all weak. We have the hope that we have. If you remember back in Romans 8, in the last text that we're dealing with, we have sufferings. But in those sufferings, we have the hope of what? Glory. And so we have something to look forward to, right? It's just not suffering and suffering suffering. It's the fact that it is we have something that all of this is pointing to. It's heading for glory. A glorified body. And the Spirit is the one that helps us in that hope. 
whenever we're down, we're going through things, tribulations and trials and some kind of suffering that nobody else understands and the Holy Spirit does. And then He will give you hope. He will remind you. So He helps us tremendously as we pray. When we are praying, it's in the strength of the Spirit. And if it's not in His strength, those prayers are worth nothing. You see, God does not leave us alone to fend for ourselves here in this world to suffer and to go through these things. He doesn't leave us alone. He's left us the Holy Spirit. As we struggle in this world, not only in prayers, we struggle in a lot of things. Let's be honest. Let's don't try to hide anything. That's the way it is. It's a struggle. And because of sin, in a sin-infested world, that's the way it is. But here's the promise. Here's the positive. The Spirit is always with us. Every moment, even when we don't feel like it, we don't think that he's there, or we don't feel that he's there, or boy, you know, nothing's happening right. Uh, how can God be in this and all of that? And he is. Holy Spirit is right there with us, and I want to tell you, he's praying for us when we don't even have anything to what we know to be praying for. There's a lot of things that he's praying for that we will never even know. And He's interceding for us every moment. How can we lose? I've got another upbeat message today for us, folks. Uh, you know, from Romans 1 all the way to chapter 8 here, we had a lot of things pounding us on the head a lot spiritually, didn't we? Chapter 8 just opens the light up and says, yeah, 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 here it is in your life that you live here on earth, but you can have the Spirit of God living in you. So let's read our two verses that we have today, 26 and 27. Uh, this is called Groanings Too Deep for Words. Let's stand and let's honor His truth by reading this and then as He will help us get the depth of this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's pray. Father, what a promise this is. The Holy Spirit prays when we don't even pray. He's always interceding, always praying for us. He's for us. He's with us. He prays with us. And Lord, it, all of it comes back to You in a perfect format. And so Lord, help us to understand this great mystery of prayer that You've given to us that we know we are doing. Help us improve on this, but even if we don't feel like it's improving, May we know that the Holy Spirit's prayers are always answered for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, you know, reading these two verses really will encourage you today. We just read that. You get encouraged. As I thought about it through the week and as I looked at other commentators, it just brought out a lot of things. You know, whenever I fail, the Lord still is working His plan no matter what my performance is doesn't give me an excuse to sin. I'm still responsible, but the thing is, the, the Holy Spirit, His prayers are perfect. And when they go to the Father, they are always answered for us. Wow, this is something. Okay, ready? He says in verse 28, in the same way, in the same way. It's kind of like something that we have seen before. How many times does Paul use the word therefore? Because of what has been written previously, here is the rest of the story. Here's what this leads to. He's saying in this same way. In the same way, the Spirit also helps. That's, uh, that's quite a phrase there. 
It's pointing to verse 22, 23. We read that for we know that the pains are for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. So creation is groaning. 23, not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. Creation is waiting for glorification for them. Creation is doing that. We ourselves are groaning or waiting, anticipating for the glory that is waiting us. We can't wait for that, right? And he's saying, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. The Spirit is always in this. But even He groans. Or there's a groaning that goes on with the Holy Spirit cooperating, working with us. So creation, us, Holy Spirit, God, that's everything, isn't it? And there will be a glorification. And so he says, in the same way, in the same way that the creation groans, in the same way that we groan for our glorious bodies, a future resurrection, the Holy Spirit is also groaning or helping us in our weakness. I like that. We don't know the future. We don't know it, do we? We have no idea what the Lord has in mind tomorrow. might have a general idea, but uh, we, we look at that and we realize that uh, definitely this is worth it all. Even through the trying times that we have, and every one of us has it, whether it be physical pain, which many of us have really suffered in the past few months, man, the sicknesses that have come along, physical sicknesses, uh, especially with the kids, you know, we pray about that, we know we're supposed to, we want to, we can't help but do that. Then accidents that have happened with so many here. And we all pray about that because we're concerned for their well-being physically and mentally and spiritually. Isn't it great to know that other people are praying? They are. They're praying for you. But the Holy Spirit is the best one to praise because He always gets it right. <laughs> and He intercedes there, right? Um, in verses 15 through 17, I even go back to there. We're, we're still talking about in the same way. Martin Lewis-Jones related it to this. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, remember that, as sons by which we cry out what? Abba, Father. When you're crying out, do you ever cry out in your prayers? Oh, Lord, what is happening? What is going on? Lord, please take this burden from me. You know, we, we cry out, Abba, Father. He's like, Daddy, Papa, right? Uh, you know what? Whenever I do this, I don't know why I do these things with my hands and go like this. And you know what YouTube does whenever you set that up? They always get me in the weirdest positions. I'll be going like this and I'll have my face all out of contortion. And it gets it at the worst possible situations. And there's three to choose from. Now somebody might know how to avert that and get something in there better. I don't. So I try to pick the best out of the three, which is probably the three worst pictures they, they could have had and uh, so I, you'll know why sometimes there are some weird things that he's doing with his hands so I wish that I could go like this stop that, I'll go like this and stand here and do it but I can't do it, there's something about being animated I think it's the Holy Spirit animating me <laughs> anyway I just thought I'd throw that in it just I, what was I doing that for I don't know I think, does it get your attention maybe sometimes? I don't know. Um, he is our Father though. He's Abba. Father. We have great hopes in what the Holy Spirit does even right now, don't we? And, you know, He groans with us. We groan in the sense, it may not, it may not even be anything that's coming out of our mouths. We just are going through life and there are painful things that happen or we just don't know how to pray and be rest assured that He is hearing us and we cry out, Father, Abba, Daddy, I know You care, right? Isn't that important? Uh, so, we come back to Romans 8 and it says, for the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. 
we have a problem. He tells us right here. He tells us what the problem is. What, why is prayer a problem? Well, Paul gives us an answer. It's our weakness. And it says our weakness. Paul is saying, I have a weakness. It's prayer. Paul, the apostle? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. He said that. Our weakness. We all have this weakness. You've heard people pray and they're so eloquent and everything that they say, man, it's right on. Boy, that's a great prayer. And you say, man, they really got together in their prayer life. Honestly, they're human and they're very weak. They're very frail. Uh, there's nothing there that is great amongst themselves. People that pray so good. See, they have human limitations like everybody else does. You see, none of us know what is best for us. Now, we think we do sometimes, and so we tell Him what we want. And He does tell us to do that, but everything that we do is always in the will of God, right? Do we know the future? No. Does He? Yeah. So there are things, there are hurdles, there are certain things that are coming up that are great blessings or whatever they are. And you know what? We don't know that. You had no idea 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, if you're that old, that you'd be seated here on this particular day. You didn't even know what house you would be living in when, let's say, take it back to when you were 10 years old, where you are at now. You don't know that, do you? Did you know that those aren't accidents? God works in all of that. And that's amazing whenever I think that He works His will in all of us. And when you're a Christian, He has the Holy Spirit and He's steering you right. You see, though, we don't know how to pray rightly. Whatever we're praying for, it's still not a perfect prayer. That's why we need help, because we are weak. We are humans. We are frail. It's not necessarily here talking about sin, as your commentators will often say here. It's not sin. Your sin the, the sin that you so easily are entangled with, it's just that that's the way life is. We are humans, and we are bound to this frailty. What is it? We have a difficulty of understanding what He has for us. We have a general idea, but we don't know the details, do we? Even the most important details of where we are going to work, where we are going to live, who we're going to be married to. Um, we don't know those things until it happens and we seek God's will, but even at that, we're not even certain for sure that that's God's will. And that's what we always want. You know what? That's okay. It's alright. It's okay not to be certain. You pray because the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. And He gets it right. Now, is your prayer life getting a little more improved when you realize the Holy Spirit is making those prayers right when ours aren't always right? Difficulty of understanding. We don't know what to pray for. Job chapter 7, verse 20 and 21. Here you go, Avell. Remember when you spent all that time reading Job? Oh, yeah. And a lot of people go, why would you love that? It's tough times for Job. But he is so human, isn't he? And he goes to God in prayer. And he pours it out like any one of us should be. He's real. He's going through the suffering of his life. Matter of fact, more than any of us have ever even suffered. He says, God, have I sinned? What have I done to you? O watcher of men, why have you set me as your target? Look at that. <laughs> so that I'm a burden to myself. Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me, but I will not be. He's beyond himself. 
He's going, God, why is this happening? I've asked for forgiveness if I've sinned. What have I done? And you've forgotten about me. Uh, am I your target? Actually, he says, why have you set me as your target? Wow, God's taking shots at him. That's what he's thinking. He doesn't know what is at the end of the story here, does he? God does. God knows exactly what He's doing as it's being rifled up there. Things are getting a little bit harder and it's wound up even more and more. I mean, it's tight. Tight as can be. And uh, God then works all these things together for good. You see, we got verses 26 and 27 today. Verse 28 is that one that I so often use. It's a key verse in all the Bible. That's where we're heading. And then after that, we'll go into the golden chain of redemption, which is some of the richest teaching, doctrine, in all of truth. I can't wait until we get to that. But I can't wait till we get into our little text here today, right? Job didn't know why he was suffering. Why am I your target? We wound up seeing what the deal was, didn't we? Matter of fact, he got blessed all over the place, didn't he? He was all better off than he ever was before. But it's not about material things. It's still about knowing who God is and who we are in His plan. And He makes it out to be the best. 1 Kings 19.4 You have Jezebel. You have Elijah. Elijah's come from the biggest victory of his life at that time where he had conquered all of the Baal prophets. Matter of fact, he even had them killed. He had a high point in his life. The next thing you know, Jezebel is doing what? She's threatening to kill him. And now he's on the run. He went from high to low in moments. And so he got out in the desert and there he is wondering why this is. He was confused. You know, he's one of the greatest prophets in all the Bible, Elijah is. And there it is with him confused. He didn't know how to pray. And so you know what he said in his prayer? Just kill me. I'm going to die. This is it. You know, as far as he was concerned, it was all over. There was nothing he could do. And he's right. Only God could. God had a greater plan as He took him to different places. But He didn't show him at that time because He wants us to depend upon Him. That's what trust, that's what faith is. It's saying, I believe what you say and I will do it I don't know where you're taking me and I don't like this. I'm not sure. I don't feel comfortable here, but I believe you, Lord. Right? So Elijah wound up doing that. In John 20, verse 15, Mary Magdalene didn't have any idea where there had to be death and resurrection. This is about the resurrection of Christ there. She didn't know about death and resurrection. That's a great plan of God. But did anybody... It got him confused, didn't it? And even Jesus Himself, while He was in the flesh, He became like us so that He could identify with us in every way. He never sinned, but He sure had the temptations. And Jesus prayed for hours, and in His humanness, He asked that the Father would take this cup from Him. Father, take this cup from me. The, the cup of death. The cup of wrath that would be poured upon Him where all of our sins were put on Him. And He prayed like a human, but yet He's still God. But yet He said, Nevertheless, Father, Your will be done. And it was. His prayer was perfect. It was right. And it was done. And if it wasn't done, then why are we sitting here? There is no need. Because we would all be lost. And there would be no church. 
You see, is it any wonder that we have problems knowing what to pray for? You just look at Job. One of the he was the most righteous man on earth at that time. Uh, you look at the disciples. You look at Mary Magdalene. You look at Elijah, a man of great faith and prayer. Did you see all of them? Wow. See, we can't see the future. Aren't you glad you can't see the future? Yeah, there would be some things that I don't think our souls, I mean, our, our humanness could bear. I'm glad we can. He gets us through and all it is is, he says, be not anxious. Live from day to day, moment to moment. Why be worrying all those things that are something that that are not even happening? But we do that. And he says, be not anxious. Don't worry. Why do we worry? Because we're not trusting in Him. Did you know that worry is a sin? Sorry about that. Uh, I have to remind myself about that. You see, if we prayed the way that we would want, if we had the choice to pray the way that we would want, we would never want any suffering. I Honestly, I don't want any suffering. I don't want any of you guys to be suffering. Do you want to suffer? Have you ever heard anybody pray that, oh Lord, bring on the suffering? Uh, I think something might be a little wrong with them. It's going to come anyway, right? Uh, pain. Anything that... Uh, you know, that would be a circumstance that would be very unfavorable, difficult circumstances. To be healed of everything. That everything would just be perfect and right. Well, what you're talking about there is heaven. We're not there yet. In the meantime, we have the Holy Spirit to help us through this life. And most of it's really, really good. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying everything is really bad. But when it does happen, <coughs> who do we look to? When it doesn't happen, even more so, who do we look to? You know, it says here in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. Helps is, I'm going to give you a Greek word and I don't want you to try to repeat it because I'm not going to get it right. Soon until Lombonitai. Soon until Lombonitai. How about that? That's a mouthful. It means to come alongside and to take the burdens off of. The Holy Spirit comes alongside right with us and He takes our burden and really helps carry that burden. That's the word helps here. Our weakness. You see, we are weak, but the Holy Spirit is strong or powerful. That's an attribute of God. He comes alongside us and He takes that heavy load that every one of us has. They're all different. And He makes it His burdens. There's the word picture. Do you get that? That is what happens when you believe in God and you believe in the Holy Spirit living in you and you've got troubles and you've got thoughts, you've got worries, you've got physical pain and spiritual pain and everything else, all those kind of pains. And you know what? He says, hey, uh, listen, uh, I'm going to take the burden. Okay? And you say, okay. And then we go, whoa, wait a minute. Let me help. Let me... And, and okay, there is a... He's helping us, but a lot of times we take it back and we've got that burden again. We say, what are you complaining again for? Holy Spirit's got this. Right? Uh, it's like uh, when you move. When you move from one house to another house. Everybody has moved. It's not one of the favorite things that... Uh, I like to do. I will tell you the last time we moved, I said, this is the last time we moved. It may not be. 
But I'll tell you what, that was a lot of work. It wasn't just the move for hours and with a lot of people that helped us here for the church. But you know what? You know what it really was? It was it went on for weeks and weeks and months. I just kept moving stuff and Carolyn was moving stuff and then we had to rechange things in the house to make everything fit and I'm going, you know, I don't want to do this again. But there were things that we were moving like refrigerators. Now you've got dollies and things like that, but then you got ramps and sometimes it's hard to get that all up there. You got things that where it takes four guys to move. Let's say take a piano, one of those Steinway grand pianos, or a Hammond B3. These are the kind of instruments that we used to haul around whenever I played back in the 70s. And uh, you know, we hauled them in like vans. <laughs> and we actually literally sometimes would take a grand, a baby grand piano with us. And it took multiple guys, you know, we'd, we'd use the guys in our neighborhood and call them roadies and they'd go with us, we'd let them get in free. <laughs> and they would carry that stuff. And sometimes you'd be a part of that, carrying that in, you know, you'd put a hand underneath it like that. This thing is like thousands of pounds, it feels like, and everybody's doing their own thing. But, hey, I'm helping. You know, I've got my hand here, maybe a little bit. But I don't feel like I'm really helping. But when you have a whole bunch doing it, when you really have a helper, it's not a real burden on anybody. You ever done that? Of course you have. It's great to have help, isn't it? And somebody to take the burden. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He says, here, you, you do the front part a little bit here. Hold on to that handle, you know. And we do it really doing anything. I feel kind of guilty, you know. Somebody's doing this, right? And so that's the way that it is. That's the kind of the idea of coming alongside, taking the burden. Uh, that's why our prayers are always good. Now there is another word for helper, and it's the one that Jesus used, and it's not that long word that I gave you. It's called the paraclete. Parakletos. And it means helper, and it's something along the same way. He says, I'll send the helper. Again, it's to call alongside of, it's to be a comforter. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a comforter. He's an encourager, right? And uh, that is where Jesus told the disciples, I'll be sending Him. I'm going to leave, but He's going to come. He's going to encourage you. He's going to help you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to carry your burden even where it says here in Romans 8, this kind of helper, it pictures our ignorance of what to pray for as a heavy as it is a heavy load. It's that he identifies with our weakness. And he says, What's this? He takes it up and almost all of it's him. We're just he's helping us. We're doing what we can do, right? But he's really doing it all. He identifies with our weakness, folks. He knows we're weak. He knows that He's all-powerful. What's the word for that? Omnipotent. Omni, all, potent, powerful. All-powerful. He's the Holy Spirit. He said, well, that's not God the Father, though. Does He have the same kind of power? Yeah, oh yeah. He had everything to do with the resurrection. The Holy Spirit did. We read about that earlier. Powerful God, the Holy Spirit is. He identifies with our weakness, and you know what He does? He labors with us. Okay, that's the first thing. Number two is that, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Intercede. Intercession. What is an intercessor? It is one who pleads the case of another. It's almost like what a lawyer does. A lawyer is an intercessor, right? They're there on the behalf of you. Being able to say the right thing that you wouldn't get yourself in trouble with what you say. The Holy Spirit is the same way. It's not that we're going to get in real trouble, but He's going to make what needs to be said to the Father. He's an advocate. 
Jesus is an advocate. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. He intercedes. I want to tell you something. We are secured by two intercessory priests. One of them being Jesus Christ Himself. Remember the intercessor that we've always learned about? The great high priest who intercedes for us? Well, Christ is an intercessor. Look in Hebrews 7.25 and we know the Holy Spirit says here that He's the intercessor. Isn't it great to know that we have two intercessors? Verse 25, Therefore He is able also to save forever who? Those who draw near to God through Him, through Christ, since He always lives to make intercession for them. You know what Christ is doing right now? He's in the heavens. We have an intercessor right there at the right hand of God pleading our case in that sense. He's interceding for us. So we have our heavenly intercessor and we have the earthly intercessor. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. Where does He live? In us. Interceding right here. Interceding right there. The Son and the Spirit. Father is all involved with hearing all of this. When the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf, did you know that He is speaking with divine eloquence? He is saying it in a way that is perfect. There is an author by the name of Carolyn Nystrom. I like that first name. Carolyn Nystrom. Carolyn is nice. Easy to Now she wrote, co-authored a book along with J.I. Packer, which most of us have probably heard of. And it was dealing with prayer. And she said this, this will stick in your mind probably better than anything else today. Are you guys ready? Here it is. One quick sentence. The Spirit fixes our prayers on the way up. Like that? Our prayers come a little short. We do it just like a, a, a little baby, a little child. They say words and, and when they say whenever they talk to us or anything, we're talk and they're saying sentences that really aren't making a lot of sense or they can't put sentences together, right? They're just learning. That's the way it is with us, and sometimes we'll, we'll even start on a prayer and get about halfway through and just stop. Holy Spirit puts that all together and puts the rest of it together, takes it up to the Father. It's in perfect format. I like that though. The Spirit fixes our prayers on the way up. Prayers that are badly worded, maybe even have bad theology. Hope not. It's not really expressed in the best way. Uh, it's like groaning. It's without words. These prayers are fixed on their way up to the Father. Doesn't that give you encouragement? Say, I don't have to pray. Well, the Holy Spirit does. Uh, and then we get this strange phrase that we've been seeing all along. Romans 8 here. That's the third time. That the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's a weird one. Groanings. Uh, creation groans. All of creation is groaning. Waiting for their glorification. We, as Christians, are groaning, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. And now the Holy Spirit is involved with the groanings. Sinclair Ferguson related this, the element of heart frustration and inexpressible emotion. Do we have those things? Uh, heart frustration, inexpressible emotion, and what Paul says points us to incoherence. 
Sometimes we say things that there's nobody could even understand. Sometimes we can't even say it. Matter of fact, it's inexpressible without words. You'll notice it says that groaning's too deep for words. Inaudible groans. The spirit takes that inaudible groan. It's unintelligible. It's an attempt at speech and it's inaudible. It's like a mother who always seems to understand what her little baby or little child is saying. And she can vocalize exactly what that child is saying to another adult. You know, we would go, huh? What did they just say? And she said, well, it's like this. She'll translate it. You go, how did you get that out of that? Well, she's a mother. <laughs> she knows exactly what that child is needing. Oh, well, they're hungry. They're thirsty. Need a change of diapers? <laughs> you know, it's, they're at an age where they can, you know, say some baby words, but it doesn't seem like it's really getting through, and the mother always knows. And Daddy's saying, huh? What? What what's, what's they want? Oh, please, I can tell you what it is. They are inaudible groanings that we have whenever we're praying. Did you know what? Sometimes they're too proud, profound for words. We get to a point where we don't even know what to say and we don't say it. And it is not and it's not some kind of a private prayer language here. I, I can't produce that out of this. It's not fair to do that because it says it's groanings too deep for words. Somebody will say that, well, that's like speaking in tongues and it's saying to the Lord and you don't even know what it's saying, but He's getting it. And it's not even saying that. It's saying the groanings are not even audible. Um, and that's what the Greek means. It, you can't even put them into words. It, it's nothing that is heard. There's no noise there. It's too profound. There's no words. There's no sounds. There's no noises. We get to a spot in our prayer where there's absolute silence. But there's a groaning underneath that we have. Oh, Father, You know what's best. You know, whatever it is. And the Holy Spirit produces and translates that and makes it the best of human language. It transcends language. It's words that cannot be uttered that is what it literally means. The Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us with utterings that are not heard. They can't, as a matter of fact, they're not even uttering. John MacArthur said this, You can't hear creation groaning, can you? You ever heard creation groaning? Well, sometimes we hear thunder and you know, that kind of thing going on, but there we're talking about just uh, a way of putting in word pictures. How about us groaning? There's a lot of times when we're groaning, but there's no sounds coming out of us. It's a longing, is the idea. It's a longing. It's uh, creation longs to express itself in all of its glory. We long to express ourselves in glory where we should be, right? We want to go home one of these days, right? And so the redeemed are doing that. The Spirit who is intimate with the plans of God for our glory, who distinctly beholds the ideal of which we have, but glimpses pursues its realization with our doer. That's what Gaudet says about that. First Corinthians, next book over, chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but just as written. Things which eye has seen or ear has heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. We're able to communicate with Him in a way that the world cannot understand. So it's a longing for this. It's a groaning for eternal glory. That's really what we are groaning about. Eternal glory. So there's nothing in here at all 
about any human gibberish. There's not some kind of language that's in a tongue. Because it can't be, there are no words. It's not gibberish. This is the Holy Spirit groaning. It is us groaning and Him taking the groanings and transferring them into the language of God. Because you see, the Spirit knows the will of God. And whatever's in the Spirit's mind, God understands. Does that make sense? Because is the Spirit God? Yes. The Son is God. The Father is God. They are in such a complete unity. Did you know that they know what each other is thinking or what they are about in every way? They are in such unity that they are in total agreement with whatever they say. Do you know what? They don't even have to say words because each of the persons already understands the other persons of the Trinity and they are in total agreement. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know that's why we have families and that's why we have marriage? I think it's one of the biggest reasons. So we learn a relationship with each other, so we know each other well. That a lot of times we already know what they're thinking, and after years and years, that's an intimate thing. Now sometimes that's good. <laughs> sometimes not so good, right? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> But uh, honestly, isn't it great to be able to share your life with others who think the same way? You know what's scary? My sons think they know exactly what I'm going to do next or think next. They've been telling me this for years. Now, they're not always right, but they think they're right. Yeah, yeah, Dad, yeah, we know what he's thinking. We know what he's doing there. Carolyn just kind of smiles. Uh, but I'll tell you what. See, what family does, it kind of gives us a picture of what the Trinity is, but yet the Trinity has never disagreed with one of the other ones. There's never been a disagreement. Not once. Not once at all. Total agreement in every aspect. That's incredible. And so, you know, God the Father knows exactly what the Holy Spirit is interceding about. Rather incredible, isn't it? Unbelievable. Amazing. He searches our hearts. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 7. Thus Shemsai said when he cursed... I said 1 Samuel, Dennis. Not 2 Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The inward. The Lord looks at the inwardness. And so it goes all the time. And so not only does He know what we are all about, thinking and doing, but He also knows the Holy Spirit the Father does. Now we get into the last part of our Romans 8. It's only two verses today, so we are going to be getting done pretty quick. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. That means that God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows the mind of Christ. He knows our minds. They all know each other. And so, it is because He intercedes for the saints, that's us, according to the will of God. How are we to pray? According to the will of God. Did you know that a lot of times we'll say that? There are other times we pray we may not attach that in your will, Lord. We would pray that that would be the case. Is it always the will of God? Well, we hope so. We don't know for sure. Are we praying a right kind of prayer? Yeah. But it may not be the way that God is going to answer. Does He always answer? Yes, He does. Because He answers the Holy Spirit every time. And our prayers 
are really kind of interceded by the Spirit. So did you know your prayers are always answered? Sometimes to us they are no. Or yes. But they are answered because the Holy Spirit is going to make that prayer better. I think it's amazing because can we know God's will with certainty? How about getting a job? How about what's, what college somebody wanted to go to? Or what education they need? Oh Lord, I, I'm praying that I'm making the right decision. Is this school the better one? Or is this school the better one? Or should I not go to school? Or uh, oh Lord, there's a 4th of July parade today on the 3rd here. Uh, here in Jesse. Should I go or not? I don't know if that would be the thing to do. Maybe I could do some street preaching. What do you want me to do? If we get down to that kind of detail, Lord, uh, hey, I, I just need to go to bed and go to sleep. Because <laughs> if we start talking about every little detail in our lives, He gives us a mind to think about. Should I pay, pay my bill, Lord? He says, what are you asking me about? You know you're supposed to pay your bill, right? There's a lot of things that we already know what is true. Uh, as Spurgeon said, get your business done. Go to the bank get your business done and move on. You know, get to work. Sir. <laughs> um, and we could drive ourselves crazy wanting to know what the will of the Lord is. Lord, is this the person that you want me to marry? And, and certainly, we want the Lord's will in that. But, you know, and it might be, you know, months later, oh Lord, did I marry the right one? <laughs> it's a humor, but... You know, a lot of people will do that. You know, and they think, oh no. You know, there are times when we say, I don't know if that's certain or not, but I'm going to pray that it is. And that's the way that we pray. We can't be certain on everything, even though it may not be right or wrong. It might be right, but maybe not at this time. You know, but you see, Paul relates to us that it is even not necessary that we understand that this is absolutely certain that it's the will of God. Did that make sense? You know what? You can put yourselves at rest knowing that you don't always have to be certain that this is the will of the Lord. My prayer that would be that the will of the Lord would be that He would convert uh, the White House, the whole White House administration and all the people in the House of Representatives, uh, all the ones that are in the Senate, all the judges, all the people in America. And I know that that will not happen, but yet he does say pray for your leaders. So we do that knowing that he's going to do what he's going to do, but it's still right to pray for them. I would pray for their salvation. It would be amazing what changes would be made by our leaders if they became saved. Uh, and, and, you know, that would be the best thing that could ever happened to this nation. But I do know that that doesn't always happen. It may not be the will of the Lord. But He says to do this, so that's right. But it still may not be the will of the Lord that He changes their hearts. But the Spirit knows the will of God. Everything. He's interceding for us. Is this starting to make sense? My, even if my prayer is not even right, it's going to be right. And it's going to happen and it will be answered absolutely. A little bit of editing may happen between us and the Father. Aren't you glad? And who gave those thoughts to you to be praying those good things? The Holy Spirit did. Spirit's help. Our prayers reach the Father's heart. They're always heard. They're always answered. 1 Corinthians 2.11 Boy, does this give you confidence in your prayer life? Hey, I've got somebody to back me up. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Okay, it's like saying us. Who knows our thoughts? I mean, does anybody else really know what you're thinking and what you're really about? What's going on there? No, not really. Who does? We do. Ourselves do. Then he says this. He compares it. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. 
How can we know the mind of God? Well, because of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and we can actually know some of the things that God thinks. The Spirit of God knows absolutely everything the Father does. Amazing. The purpose of God is this. We turn back to our Romans 8. We finish with this, and it couldn't be anything better. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You remember what we started off with in the same way, the Spirit. He encourages us because we're thinking of glory. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God. What's the chief end of God? for man to bring us to glory so we can see His glory and that we experience our own glory. Do you get it? What's His whole purpose to bring us to glory? He's using everything that He can to make us holy and to make us glorified. And He's using good bad, indifferent. He's using all of those horrible things that's happened to us in the last few months and He's going to make it for good. How do I know that? Well, He just promised because this is where we're at next week. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. That means everything, folks. Even COVID. even these evil, wicked rulers, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose or to His will. What's His purpose? Well, if you look at the golden chain and you go a little bit further, 20, 30, whom He predestined, He also called these whom He called. He also justified and these whom He justified. He also... Glorified. Did you know as far as God is concerned, it's already happened because He is not held by past, present, and future. He is infinite. Wow. He's timeless. As far as He's concerned, it's already happened. As far as we're concerned, it's in the future. Did you notice the last word? Glorified. The ones He justifies, He doesn't even put sanctified here. That's what He's doing now. What did He do? He went right on to glorified. That's what His whole purpose is. That's what His will is. Why did He predestine us? So that we would be glorified. Simple as that. You have got the secret of the whole universe about mankind. The ones who are His are called according to His purpose to be glorified. He, um, did you know what the Holy Spirit is unceasingly doing? He is praying for us that we be glorified. Let's pray. Father, great God, what a tremendous God. Your thoughts are so far above anything we can even imagine. And so it be, Lord, but thank You for giving us some of the thoughts that You have, having the mind of Christ, the Spirit showing us what Your truth is and what You have, and You've given us more than enough while we're in this world right now. We have a hard enough time trying to study the Bible and learn everything that's there and what it's all about. But Lord, it's leading us to the biggest step of all. When we look to that day, there is a purpose in all of this. It makes sense. And we don't have to be like Job we can realize that we are forgiven and we have a destiny that we are going to and you are working it out in the best, perfect way that you have designed. We just trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to close with this blessing. And as we go out today, remember that it's an amazing thing what the Lord has done with each one of us and where He has put us. And all of us were born in this country. 
And to have the privileges that we've had. Yes, we are privileged. We're privileged. I'm glad to say it. Because of what the Lord has done for us. And we couldn't be in a better country. We couldn't be in a better place. And I know there's a lot of things really going down the tubes and off the cliff, landslide. Be positive. Because everything that we have to look forward to is positive, And whatever it takes, the Lord is doing His will. And if He decides to change things around, He certainly could do it. And I would be more than happy about that. But if not, we've got something better anyway. At the same time, we want His will done. Here it is. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Amen, guys. We've been blessed. I've been blessed to know each and every one of you guys. can't think of any better people to be able to worship God with.